0: underestimate the power of your curiosity to open doors for you. So I make fun of it all the time. I say I work at the trademark rejected Ohio State University.
1: Yeah. Although I really like Ohio State. I, I just, I can't stand Alabama. Sorry. Can't stand them.
0: Yeah. Actually, that reminds me. That's what I was going to say earlier. I found that people that have imposter syndrome are usually the people that shouldn't have it and if you don't have imposter syndrome you're probably a jerk. <laughs> hey
1: everybody and welcome to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy podcast. In this episode Chad and I sit down with Karen North who is the senior learning experience designer in the College of Education and Human Ecology Office of Information Technology at the Ohio State University. Hey, welcome back everybody to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Chad affectionately calls it P cubed. P cubed. All right. So we are here back with Kara North. Kara, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. We are very excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, to goodness. sit down and chat with you. No pressure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, we are we are fans on Twitter and and your podcast, but ooh, let me don't don't let me get too far ahead because let me allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners and then we'll get started. Okay. How about you tell us? a little bit about yourself
0: sure well thanks for the the introduction and pressure on myself now no I'm just kidding um so hi if I haven't met you out there my name is Kara North I'm currently a senior learning experience designer at the Ohio State University in Columbus Ohio in the United States And I've actually kind of been in the space of learning development my entire career, which is crazy to think about. Um, So that's about, I don't know, 11, 12 years now. Um, I've worked in um, the instructional design and training and development sector in corporate, nonprofit, and higher education settings. So I've been in all different kinds. So that's a very interesting topic if we want to go that down that rabbit hole. I don't know, but um, I basically got my start actually in call centers. So I graduated undergrad in the recession. I got a degree in journalism from the University of Kentucky. Then moved back home with my parents because I couldn't find a job. Took a job in a call center and I worked there for a few months and they said, hey, you can fog a mirror. Do you want to get promoted? I said, sure. <laughs> uh, it wasn't quite like that, but it kind of was. Um, so it promoted me into this role in quality assurance. And in this capacity, one little tiny sliver of that was I got to train the new folks coming in about the, the center. So what did, what the center did, the quality, uh, different evaluation and that kind of stuff. And I remember, like after I did my first training class, I just—it it was very serendipitous. It was almost like this light coming down. I'm no joke. It really was. And I was like, I want to do that the rest of my life. I really enjoy that. So um, I did that for about another year. And as all this was going on, um, this was in Huntington, West Virginia. Was where the setting was. As all this was going on, there was a company that was kind of in the, the area that had some buildings spread out. But they really made a big splash when they decided to blow off the top of a mountain and put a huge customer service center there. And that company was Amazon. And yeah, so what happened is, there. yeah, just a little startup. You may have heard of it. But they. No, um, Emma what? After Emma they what? Emma what? <laughs> they opened the. Uh, the center. And it was so huge. It it was like one of the biggest employers in the area. So what happened was all of our good associates left in droves, right? To go work, work at Amazon. And as they were leaving, they had a really sweet referral bonus. And so they said, Hey, there's this great trainer back at the the place I came from and her name's Kara and you should, you should get her. So um, basically I, I came over to Amazon and I did some work in the Kindle department. So I did Kindle for about about two years. Loved it. Um, Got to see a lot of aspects of, of that business. that was fascinating. But one day I just like went to my boss and I was like, who writes this garbage? Because the material I was getting, it was horrible. I, I was making a lot of ancillary material for the associates. I was trying to give them more guidance. And I, I had been developing all this stuff kind of on the side. I didn't think anything of it. He's like, "Ah." Oh, Yeah, that's the instructional design team. And uh, yeah, we we're going to have a posting for that. Is that something you want to want to do? Sure. So that's how I became an instructional designer. Uh, Yeah. So never underestimate the power of your curiosity to open doors for you. So um, so I did that for a while and then I believe it or not, was kind of bored with that because I liked that face-to-face contact with people and and kind of that stand-up training aspect. So I took a job at a workforce development center on top of this um, that would teach adults about um, basically helping them get on their feet. So in the state of West Virginia, it's really interesting. In order to receive public assistance, you have to do some kind of like a work activity, whether that's having like a part-time job or to go to like a different um you know a program to kind of help you get on your feet so um i worked for a subcontractor that developed like this curriculum and was helping adults like kind of get on their feet write resumes all that stuff i loved that work that was so rewarding and and so great to do so did all that for a while loved it and then i fell in love with a guy in columbus ohio and it's like okay what am I going to do? So I ended up, I moved to Columbus. And um, when I found out that the Ohio State University had a tuition benefit, I decided to take a job there and backfill because I didn't know about this space, obviously, when I was going through school. So I was able to get my master's done in 2015. And hopefully I should, uh, praying, get my PhD done next year in learning technology.
1: So you're you're a PhD candidate right now?
0: No, um, I do candidacy in the spring, so I'm still a student.
1: Okay. Well, congratulations. That's a lot of work to do.
0: It is. It is. It's. Um. Yeah. It's. It's. It's a really spiritual journey, and not always like good. It's very kind of Hunter S. Thompson sometimes, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Grab the shotgun and go. That's yeah. right. <laughs>
1: Oh, Kara, that that is jam-packed. Thanks for that. That is that is awesome. Um, Kara, just some some real easy questions for for us to ease into the uh the, our session today. Um, who's your favorite band? Who do you listen to the most?
0: Oh man, don't judge. Don't judge me. <laughs> I am a diehard Jonas Brothers fangirl and I love Nick Are they Jonas. Still around? they they made a comeback they had it oh yeah they're currently on their happiness begins store um had a stop in columbus ohio and i got to see them and it was great so um i listen to a lot of jonas brothers right now
1: okay that's awesome (laughs) so what captured your attention what's or what's capturing your attention lately in the open space
0: Great question. I had the pleasure of working on a really neat project uh, last Christmas, actually, with a couple people that I met through the Association for Education, Communications and Technology. And two of these people that I met who I know I'll probably talk about later on about just how influential they've kind of been to me, at least exposing me more to the open space, um, Dr. Royce Kimmins and then uh, Dr. Jennifer Madrill. They're just incredible people. But they had a project where they wanted to basically evaluate open educational resources from an accessibility and instructional design perspective. So all these open educational resources that are out there, are they are they created with kind of care to the pedagogy? Are they are they crafted with care to the accessibility of what is out there? so i found out about this project last fall at a conference that i was at and i heard uh jennifer talk about it and as soon as she's done talking about it like i immediately ran up and gave her my card and i said i want to be a part of this because i just think it's such important work um the workforce development center that i worked at i used open educational resources because i didn't have again any training and being kind of a pre-ged instructor because It was just so vast, the people that I served in that in that role. So I used a lot of OER and a lot of them were garbage, but a lot of them had some good, good quality. So um, basically, they identified and um, Royce did this work with his students at, at Brigham Young beforehand, but they basically like identify this criteria of like what makes a good open educational resource on this website. Right. And so we basically were like, you know, it has headings, um, you know, you it's, it's got like an abstract or like information about it. It's got like an instructor guide. Um, it shares additional resources. I mean, very kind of basic bone stuff. Well, we basically did this evaluation and there were hundreds of them that were listed for us to go through. And we just had like a form that people would just sign up. And I was one of the evaluators. I loved it so much. I did probably almost 100 of those evaluations. Wow. (laughs) But I loved it. I loved it because it was it, it just brought me back to kind of like a happy Happy place. I was reminiscent about my time, you know, at that workforce development center. So, long story short, there's a lot of work to be done in this, and I think it's wonderful. And when people share, kind of their story, their craft, their talents with the world, but we also want to make sure it's shared in a way that everybody can enjoy it everybody can have access to it and get the most out of it right so um yeah so that was really great so that that right now is kind of my jam um i'm working on a manuscript with uh jennifer england who's at the university of minnesota and then also um jennifer Madrill, the um, lady who is the executive director and founder for this designers for learning who, who um oversaw this project with uh royce kimmons so yeah i think it's really important and it's something that i hadn't really heard talked about in this space so um i think that it's again important work to do and having that expertise in instructional design um, is able for me to kind of challenge my skills in a different way that i don't don't get to you know
1: yeah for sure for sure so what is open getting right these days do you think
0: Ooh. I think it's hearts in the right place I, I definitely think that that's what it's getting right so there's way more resources now than i feel like ever although i think was it today or yesterday they had the um sold on inside higher ed that they're they're stopping the conference now yeah we were down at that
2: conference when that happened
0: are you kidding me wow that's just you know so what what's going on with that i mean um you know we we build all this up and for me i i think that it's a great idea but i mean so forget forget doing right i think there's a lot of buzz about it and i think people's hearts are in the right place and i think the intentionality of it is great but one thing that i think it could do better is the sustainability like what's the bones of this look like like who's the champions um who's kind of the the leaders in in these these spaces and furthermore what resources do universities have or corporations or nonprofits? what resources do they have to get skin in the game for this to know what it is that they're they're buying so great example and i kind of joke about this but also kind of don't I've thought about just leaving my job and just going to sell tech products because I feel like oh, just tech products right now in, in this space, people are buying everything. I feel like um, I feel like a lot of people aren't really doing a lot of deep evaluation and um, pilot testing and that of, of things that they buy. There's a lot of snake oil out there. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of money to be made, but I'm not going to leave my job and do that. But I'm not a very good sales lady. But... I, I do think that there needs to be something out there to really help inform the consumer about what they're getting th- themselves into with it. Because you, you all know, I mean, not all of it's created equal. I mean, one issue is a lot of it, I feel like that is that's out there. If that champion changes their mind or leaves or whatever, it just becomes another dying tool, you know? So I think the sustainability piece of it's really important.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and in a lot of different ways, passing the torch of leadership from one era to another has always been really, really hard to do. And and you know, coming from a trades background, and I and I I, I cut my teeth as an apprentice and grew as a journey person with one company my whole career before I moved into education. And when I moved into education, they were this in their second generation of ownership. In the statistic of success for trades. Uh, especially trades, companies in the second generation what was like 30%. So 7 out of 10 fail. And so you, you raise a good question in, in how do we pass the torch from one person to another successfully? And I think there's a lot of questions around that. So what does success look like? Where are we going to go in the future? Is, does a vision need to change? And these are really good questions. And so to kind of loop back into the OER conference that we were just at, That was my first one. And I was massively excited to be there and to partake in it. And I was even presenting and I found it to be just this massive honor to be able to do that. And when David Wiley got up and, and announced that he was going to adjourn the conference, I'm like, no, you can't do this to me. It, it's just i it, am just i am just got here. And now you're basically just like saying the boat's going in dry dock and we're never going to sail it again, and which is, you know, a little melodramatic. But um, it actually, as the hours went on, it helped me appreciate the conference that much more, knowing that it's going to change or it's going to stop for a while. But um, it's uh, it's it's gonna it's it's gonna change into something else, and the passing of the leadership baton from one group to another, I think, is massively, massively important. Come on, girl. All right. So let's pick up where we left off. Uh, Kara, um, what are two top books that have influenced you the most in your OER, OEP work slash play?
0: Great question. These are going to be probably a little bit unorthodox, but stay with me. The first one is probably my very first instructional design book that I ever had. It's called Telling Ain't Training. And the reason that that one has been so influential on me is... When I got into this space, I had no idea what I was doing, right? I, I had no clue. I had no formal education. I just wanted to make neat, cute things and help somebody do their job better. Like that was my goal. And this book really unpacked for me the idea of of pedagogy. I mean, that's actually the first time I really heard about it um, from that perspective. And so really focusing on how do you build sticky, authentic learning experiences? How do you make it to where there's agency for the person in it? So they have skin in the game in the particular learning experience. It's not just a sage on the stage, but it's a guide on the side. How do you how do you go from that to that? So that's kind of been one big one for me, because I still think there's a lot of people out there that think that you know learning development training i mean a lot of times it's just like a word that people just get really upset about they're like i don't want to go to training it just sounds bad right like you send your dog to training right um so it's something you don't necessarily want to do yourself but if you make it to where it's about the person and it's like human-centered and it's about them and what's in it for them and really like leaning kind of on that, I think it's really important. So that has been a huge influence influencer in my world and um, funny story, which I still haven't done, but I plan on. Um, Last month for my Central Ohio ATD chapter that I'm president of, we had emerging professional showcase. So this particular showcase allowed uh, people that are new to the the uh, profession or students to get presentation experience, because I think that's really important, you know, to have a very low stakes way of presenting. And I had a guy that I met on LinkedIn, he was from Texas, and he was just so hungry for the opportunity. I said, how about I bring him in virtually and you present? And he was just over the moon. He did such a great job. And so um, we made like little certificates for them, but for every presenter, I wanted to make sure each of them got like a book and so I talked to him about it and I just telling him about tra- telling training. And he said, you think I could get get a copy of that? I was like, yeah, I will include it when I mail you all your stuff, which again, haven't done. So that's on me. I need to get it done. Um, and he said, I said, OK, well, you know, do you want Like a, 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 a Kindle version? Whatever. He said, well, can I have yours? I was like the one I've written in. Yeah. Yeah, That's I love creepy. that idea. No, I I loved it. I I thought it was really cool that he wanted he wanted mine. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so that, old, that was is that, is that yeah. called
1: old school annotation?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> See, I um, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do that care. I take my heart, my heart out for that or my hat off. I'm get, getting my metaphors on and stuff. I could never do that. Like my, my, books, well, are I my have, books. I already there. have like
0: three copies of it. No, I, I have multiple copies of that book because every time it's updated, I buy it again because I just love it so much. So it, it's fine. I'll give him. It's all good. Um, the second book is probably uh, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. And so this is one that you're probably like, what in the world does this have to do with OER, you crazy cat? Hang with me here, okay? Um, I've been listening to that one on audiobook a lot. and I listen to it especially when like, I'm stressed or down or you know have issues. And there's one thing in there that I think she takes a riff off of like Teddy Roosevelt about, you know, the feedback of others and how like you shouldn't let people in like cheap seats, like give you feedback to bring you down. Like if you're not in the arena, if you're not out there putting yourself out there, then you shouldn't have the right to criticize others who are trying. I think that right there is why so many people suffer from imposter syndrome, why so many people think they're not good enough to contribute to these conversations that are critical. I think that that is a big roadblock for people. And so, i think that if people can get over that and people realize you know yeah you do matter i mean we're all experts in our experiences and so being able to elevate that and help others and work out loud and share what we're doing i think is critical to the success of oer and the i am a big proponent of this and i believe in fanning other people's flames and getting people on board um and really just encouraging People, my personal and professional mantra is blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours burn any brighter. We're all better when everybody has a voice and a seat at the table, mm-hmm.
2: in my opinion. I think Brene Brown should be like required reading for every educator out there because she talks so much about vulnerability and shame. And honestly, if you're doing any kind of training at all, you deal with that constantly. And I love that Teddy Roosevelt quote that she talks about, you know, the we shouldn't be mocking the ones that are in the arena getting their, their hands dirty we should be applauding them it's just it's so true and we do fe- face that that imposter syndrome and it's it's unfair when you think like, like you just said we're all an expert in our experience so i think we need to hear more and more of that
0: and plus i mean the other thing is oh tartar sauce i just forgot my thought um Go ahead. I forgot my thought.
1: It probably wasn't important. Okay. I, I, there's, a, there's another quote. And because I like Brene Brown, too, for a, a lot of those same reasons in the sense that, you know, she's just like, listen, if you're, if you're not in here getting dirty and bloody and beat up and, and on display for everybody else, then I really don't care what you have to say. And I, when I heard that for the first time, I think I heard that on her YouTube video. I was just like, my jaw just hit the table. I'm like, what? I'm, it was so it's just like, oh, yes. I cue the music. And it, it was like, OK cuz you know i'm i'm an extrovert by nature but i still suffer from imposter syndrome sure. a lot of the times thinking to myself do i really have the qualifications to be here do i have the experience to be here what what gives me the right to have the voice to speak into this situation and yet the the the, the leadership part of my brain goes no dude you put in time to learn this you've got a masters degree you've done this you've done that you know people need to hear this and so it's this constant tension and I, I would agree with Chad that she needs to be required reading somewhere. and if she isn't, then shame on you guys for doing that. but there's there's another quote that that I actually had up in my office for a while, and it and it only faced me. So if people came into my office, they didn't see it unless they knew it was already there because it was it was just a small little quote I put in a frame and it's and it said in there, "Quit trying to turn or uh, see i'm I'm gonna get mixed up now. quit trying to convert the haters you're not the jackass whisperer
0: (laughs) oh I love that
1: bang right so when I came across that I'm like okay that that just fits perfectly into the Brene Brown stuff And, and you know a lot of us suffer from that syndrome don't we
0: yeah actually that reminds me that's what i was going to say earlier i found that people that have imposter syndrome are usually the people that shouldn't have it and if you don't have imposter syndrome you're probably a jerk <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: that's a quote of the nice. whole podcast right there there we go that's going right at the beginning of the episode B. <laughs> we just found the one that's good Oh, uh, Chad, she's Kara's speaking right down your alley with the whole pedagogy. Of Kara, oh, yeah, that's I mean,
2: t- I'm giving a keynote tonight all about that, about the fact that with our students, we often and like you're saying earlier care about the whole we need to come down and we're not the stage on the stage anymore. guide by the side, we need to give our students a lot more agency. And I, I totally resonate with that because they our students are capable of great things. And they do suffer the imposter syndrome because they've been I don't want to go off too much on a tangent here, but they've been berated and taught that they're the student and the teachers are the, the ones that carry all the knowledge. When our students have so much knowledge and have so much they can add to the whole process that we need to really take that into account and really start listening to them.
0: Right.
1: So who are two or three people other than Bernie Brown uh, who have inspired you, Kara, to do your open work and, and more importantly, to do your advocacy
0: yeah, so I would say um, at least in the OER space, I'll give two and then I'll give one to like another mentor. So uh, the first two are the people that I had mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Royce Kimmins and then Dr. Jennifer Madrill. They're just doing great work. Uh, Royce, believe it or not, he has his own website. It's called edtechbooks.org. And so he's really pushing people in the learning technology space to make open educational resources for students. And I looked um, earlier today because I was curious. I hadn't been on there a while. He's got over 60 books on there. That's all open source. Yeah, it's amazing. He's really done a great job of really advocating for that and really kind of putting his money where his mouth is. Like he really cares about it, you know, and he's, he's done a great job really kind of getting a lot of good stuff on there. So highly recommend check that out at techbooks.org. Um, and give him a shout out because he's just a good guy. Um, and then Jennifer, um, I just love what she does. So she has this, um, company, well, it's a nonprofit called designers for learning. Essentially she helps new instructional designers or instructional design, maybe career changers to get experience with like social impact. So she'll work with like different nonprofits, um, have different projects where that way students can actually get hands on experience with instructional design and everybody wins. So if a food pantry needs a A a module about something and one of some of her team can do that and then the nonprofit gets what they need and then the student gets their experience so it's really impactful the stuff that that she's doing so those two are kind of like my OER like heroes Um, and as far as like personally why I'm the way that I am it's kind of a long story but shortened, shortened version is I used to work for a real jerk Um, And it wasn't too long ago that this happened and he didn't believe in me. Um, He didn't really see any value in me. And I just decided one day I'll show you. You know, I'll show you there's there's something in here for me. So because I was treated that way, I've really kind of used that as fuel. And I don't want anyone else to ever feel the way that I was. I was treated by this particular supervisor. And I um, there's a guy that's here in Columbus. Ohio. his name is Mike Taylor. And he took me under his wing he basically showed me the value of building a community sharing things in a community and really lifting other people up and he really came at a time that I really needed him in my life so um you know I always say you know I I can't I can never thank you for everything you've done and he's always like just pay it forward he's like just help somebody else he's like that's all you have to do for me and I feel like like right now I'm in a, a part of my career where I can help others and I can help them with like their first speaking engagement or help them put something out in their portfolio or help them build a website, something to get themselves out there and and push. So um, I really like being a cheerleader for other people. Um, I love supporting good people. And I really like finding people that are a little Approach things a little bit differently and maybe don't don't get that gratification from the people around them that they they think they should. But I always like seeing kind of those people kind of on the on the edges, you know, that are doing really creative and unique things.
2: You've sorry, you've been involved with the TLD cast quite a bit. How did you get hooked up with that group? (laughs)
0: Another funny story. I stumbled onto that pretty early. So I found them probably their month two of existence. And I think somebody that I followed had shared one of their their um, their casts. And the person speaking was the chief learning officer at the Home Depot, who I had actually admired for a while. And now he's at Delta Airlines, just kick and tell. He's doing great. And he ha- he was on there talking. And so, like, I, I want to ask him a question because, like, I really admired this person. And it didn't get answered. And I was like, what the heck? Like, is Erwin allowed to ask questions? So, ended up, I emailed them after and I said, Hey, like it was my first time and I tried to ask a question and it didn't get answered. Like, did I do something wrong? Like, was there something I should have done? And it wasn't, it wasn't 30 minutes. I got an email back from Luis Malbus, who's the the founder of TLDC. And he said, can I, like skype you i was like sure and then we just had a conversation and he said you know we're just getting this started would you like to be involved would you would you like to help us and i said sure so that's how i got in with tldc so again curiosity again opens doors so that's how i got involved with it so i've been part of tldc for almost three years now and now i have my own show that i do monthly um usually about learning technologies I will say monthly-ish because, again, I just get so busy. It's so hard to do everything. But, um, but yeah, it's it's great. It's a good community. I, re- I really, really oh, it's enjoy amazing. my field. You get
2: those, <laughs> it's the daily podcast almost that comes through my cycle. I get overwhelmed because there's just so much to listen to. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: what would you say? What's interesting you in ed tech right now? Like, What is one of the things that are getting you excited that you're seeing happen, whether it's happening or it's something that's being talked about?
0: Oh, for me right now, my jam is uh, UX and the influence of like user experience in design. Um, For me at my where I work at, our LMS is behind a um, dual authentication. Right. So I understand why they do that for security, but I think it's horrible for a user experience. I still this has been behind the 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 the. two-factor for well over a year, I still grumble every single time I have to do a two-factor just to get into the learning management system. So I think that there's been a trend lately, especially in the last year, about how do you build beyond kind of the shell that you have to have your, your uh, information in. So what's that experience look like and how can it actually become an experience? Um, you know, education is not just one and done, right? I mean, it's, it's not an event, it's a process. So how can you continue this going on? How can you use other tools to really kind of amp up the, the learning of it um, and again, Mike Taylor, I'll mention him again. He does this really nice thing about um, integrating marketing into your design aesthetic. So how can you make it kind of eye-catchy and more sexy? But then afterwards, how can you follow up with people with it? And so he's a big uh, fan of MailChimp to use MailChimp to build like these kind of learning campaigns based on it to where you can actually have it segmented like let's say you know you took a training about i don't know how to make a widget or whatever and then you get an email about it afterwards or learning or whatever it's like okay on a scale like one to five how well would you say that you're good with the widgets now or whatever and then five like i could teach it to somebody one i need more experience or more learning about it and wherever they build then you match it to that campaign number and then if they click a one they'll get more content about it. They pick a five, it sends them information about potentially, um, you know, helping write more curriculum about it or, you know, training people in their area or et cetera. And, you know, for me, that's an experience. I mean, that is something that is a tangible experience that is more memorable than sitting on a computer and just hitting the
2: next. I think what's happening, I think a lot of like the online marketing people that are out there, like they do it so well. So like you sign up to a website, you get a newsletter and then they keep in contact and they've got a good sense of community. I think education and higher ed can learn a lot from that. The user interface is excellent. So, but you go to an LMS and it's just, it's so sloggy and it's so hard to deal with. And we need, and like you said, I love that the idea of it's not one and done and the learning environments don't need to be behind the two-factor authentic. They don't need to be behind an LMS anymore with everything that's out there we, we can create these like the, there's a term out there now i think it's called ngdle the next generation digital learning environment how you can create a digital learning environment which is completely not behind a wall and so it, but it's just piecing together other things like google you can use the google verse and you can have other things like mailchimp to do your communication and you can use a slack channel for community like we can piece together these things and create this frankenstein's monster and I think it's really exciting
0: come on girl
1: We're going to we're going to wrap it up here, Kara. So I just have one final question for you and uh, I'll splice this together as best as we can. Uh, So what what impact, Kara, do you want to have in the open space?
0: I think my impact that I want to have is just encouraging people to get involved. I think people have a lot of great ideas that maybe they don't think, again, they're good enough or they should be sharing them. But I have learned so much just from seeing someone else's process or seeing how someone else approaches a design element or seeing how somebody thinks about something or how somebody read something and interpreted it. I learned so much through the lens of other people, and I think we all do. And so anything that I can do to encourage other people to put their work out there, share it. I think that's really important, and that's something I'm really passionate about because I think everybody should have a voice.
1: That's awesome, and and it's been awesome to sit here and uh, share this space with you. And um, even though we've had some technical issues with uh, <laughs> with our recording platform, I will be sending an email to them shortly. Anyway. Um, so maybe we we can invite you back and and sure. do a, a round two because I know that there's been a tough a ton of stuff that we haven't talked about we haven't talked about your own podcast haven't talked about any of that stuff and uh, that would be cool to to chat about that but thanks again sure. so much yeah, thank Cara, you for taking the time to be with us uh, we apologize for the snow in Ohio we <laughs> uh, we wish you nothing but uh, sunny skies and uh, and warm weather but uh, it is Ohio so uh, bundle up I guess but thanks so much sure. for taking the time.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And oh, great. So everybody, so if you haven't uh, signed up for the uh, podcast yet, please do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on most of the uh, platforms out there. And if you are listening to us on the big iTunes, uh, give us a rating, five stars. That would make us feel very special. Right, Chad? It makes me feel just warm and fuzzy, warm and fuzzy. And so there you have it. Make Chad warm and fuzzy. Give us a high. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, until uh, next time, uh, take care. And remember, pay it forward because there's. Remember, we want to lift as we climb, right? So, uh, Tim Carson, I'm out. Chad, I'm out. Got <laughs> sure there, ain't? Eh? Okay, thanks.